Hi, and welcome to Book Club, a sales enablement pro podcast. I'm Olivia Fuller. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. The world of sales is becoming increasingly complex, with more stakeholders involved in buying decisions, intensifying competition, and rapidly changing expectations of the skills and knowledge that sellers need to be successful. In navigating this complexity, the Medic methodology can help provide a common language for everyone in the sales organization to more efficiently and effectively qualify deals and generate a clear path to success. Andy White's book, Medic, lays out strategies and best practices to successfully implement the Medic methodology. And I'm so excited to have him on the podcast today to share some of the key insights from his book. So with that, Andy, could you please introduce yourself to our audience and then tell us a little bit more about your book? Yeah. Hey, Olivia. Very good morning to you. Hello to the audience. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I've been listening to the, the back catalogue and I've been really enjoying the episode. So it's great to great to be on the show. Thank you for having me. As you said, my name is Andy White. Um, at heart, I'm a sales guy. That's pretty much what I've always done. Um, pretty much since leaving school, went, uh, went into sales and, and kind of started doing door-to-door sales, selling home improvements, and then worked in a cell phone store. Uh, selling cell phones and then got into SaaS and kind of started sort of climbing the ladder up of, you know, doing more senior roles and, and taking on sort of larger propositions from, you know, selling to SMEs through to selling to enterprise and all different kinds of uh, uh, SaaS solutions. And then um, more recently went into sales leadership um, for like sort of the last five or six years, a couple of different startups. Um, and in, yeah, the, the book came about really for a couple of reasons. One was um, I stumbled across Medic myself as an individual contributor back in like 2014 or 2015. And I just felt like it was just something that as soon as I learned about it, I was like, where has this been all of my career? And you, you, I don't know anyone else who's ever stumbled across a methodology or something, but it just made me feel not kind of happy because I'd found it, but sad because of all the time I'd wasted on deals before and deals that I'd lost and all this kind of stuff. I could have saved myself the heartache if I had Medic. So I embraced Medic, loved it. Um, it really kind of helped me as an individual contributor. And then as a sales leader, it helped me a lot as well in, in, in sort of enterprising up the teams I was leading. Um, but one of the strange things around Medic is it's, it's 25 years old this year. But no one really had ever stopped to, to kind of document it or, or put any kind of book together for it. So I definitely saw like this opportunity to kind of put some of my ideas and thoughts around Medic down on paper. Um, and what started as kind of a first blog post iterated into where we are today with a book and, and you know, a lot of a lot of great um, experiences that have come from that. So that's that's kind of the, the background story of, of myself and Medic. Fantastic. Well, again, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today to dive a little deeper into your book, which I know I personally learned so much from. So in the book, you note that Medic is a qualification methodology. So I'm curious, how does that differ from a traditional sales methodology? And what makes Medic different and unique compared to some of the other qualification methodologies that are out there? Yeah, that's a great and, and actually really important question because it's kind of funny because it, it is a methodology, of course, Medic. Um, you can call it a framework as well. I, I tend to swap between both of them and it's in sales. So by sort of definition, you'd say, well, isn't it a sales methodology, which, you know, I guess you could call it that. The only reason why I like to point out 
and, and to not refer to it as a sales methodology is because it's generally the definition of a sales methodology is how you um, talk to your customers, how you engage with your customers. And um, Medic is much more around qualifying where you are with those customers, should you be engaged with those customers. It doesn't necessarily um, dictate how you should engage and what messaging you should use and how to talk to the customers. Um, likewise, the same with a sales process. Some people refer to it as a sales process and it's not, it, it's kind of a, a framework that sits underneath the methodology and the process. And the reason why it's important just to differentiate the two is that you can really only have one sales process and one sales methodology. Um, and if you were to think of Medic as being a sales methodology, you would assume that you can't overlay it over the top of the, the framework uh, methodology you already have. So th that's why it's, well, it's, it's important to, 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 to differentiate the two. And then when you think about um, Medic as a qualification framework or methodology, it's funny how when you get into the qualification framework world, it seems to be a world of acronyms. I can't even remember most of them. The most famous ones are obviously Medic and BANT. There's a whole load of other ones. There's one called CHAMP, actually, I think, and there's some with like G's and C's and all this sort of stuff in there. And I think where Medic really comes into its own is that it, it sees you all the way through the sales process and beyond into post sales and actually pre sales process because medic looks so broadly, not just that qualifying, you know, the actual moment in time, but it talks about who you're, who you're, who you're going to be working with the proposition that you're taking to those people. What will those people be interested in? Um, it can really go pre-sale as well and start to sort of help influence how you market your products and how you message the value of those products as well and how, of course, all the people internally talk about the different stages of revenue. So that's that's where I think Medic really comes into its own. It's not to say that the other qualification frameworks aren't good, but it's just it goes very broadly across the entire sales process. Definitely. So as you mentioned, MEDIC is an acronym. Um, and in the book, you walk through each of the different stages of the MEDIC methodology and also some additions that companies are beginning to use. So at a high level, I'd love if you could just dive into uh, what those stages are and also when it might be appropriate to supplement them with some of those additional steps. Yeah, no, great question. So as I said a moment ago, Medic's like 25 years old this year, and it was born inside of a company called PTC. And really where it came from was a guy called Dick Dunkel that invented it was was going around. He was worked in sales enablement. He was probably one of the first, you know, PTC were probably the very first people to do sales enablement. And he had come out from the field with a task of helping um, PTC to kind of level up all their new salespeople that they were hiring. And one of the exercises it did was to look at why were PTC winning deals? Why were they losing deals? And why were deals slipping? And what he found, wherever he went, whatever sales team inside of PTC he went to, was that there was a continuity in the answers um, to those questions, which, which actually rolled up to being the elements of Medic, which was at the time six elements of Medic, which is Medic with just one C on the end, two Ds. And that obviously served us very well, and it's proliferated almost like no other methodology since... Uh, since that time. But um, what's actually happened as, as, as sort of the technology landscapes have evolved, there's been two particular elements that have come in to be popularized inside of Medic. And that's why a lot of people will know Medic as MedPIC because it has a, an extra P in there. And that, as I say, one of those letters is the P, which generally stands for paper process. And what this is, is, you know, it goes without saying, but it's the, the process that occurs when you start to talk about contracts, SLAs, DPAs, there's all of these 
uh, free letter acronyms that exist now that weren't around when Medic was created because generally it was on-premise software and you own the licenses. So, and data privacy wasn't such a big thing and all this sort of stuff. So the paper process has become much more complicated. It's also the big reason why deals slip because of the paper process. So what a lot of organizations will do is they'll call that extra P out and that's why the, the extra P stands for paper process. And then the extra C is for uh, competition, which again is, is a similar situation as time has evolved now. You know, I think there's something like a hundred new SaaS companies a day, uh, right? And then it, you know, competition is not just your rival solutions. There's other initiatives um, that exist that could be taking the same budget or resources that you, you're going for. You know, it's not just about money. It could be that the teams are helping to implement whatever solution it is you're talking about, as well as, you know, inertia is, is a competitor as well. The customer just staying with what they've done uh, or what they've already got. So, and then of course they can build it themselves so easily now with, you know, cloud structure and that sort of thing. So competition becomes much more of a, a thing today than it used to be all those years ago. So that's why you sort of add the, the two letters in. And then for anyone that's listening that, um, that doesn't know anything about medical, know what the other letters are, I'll do a very super high level um, overview of this. So you've got the M, which is for the metrics. This is the quantify, quantifiable measures of value. So this is kind of like the KPIs, if you like, your solution will provide. Economic buyer, this is kind of the, the overall authority. The best way of defining this person is the person to say no when others say yes and yes when others say no. And then you've got the two Ds, which stand for decision criteria, decision process. It's kind of the what and the how the customer's going to make their decision. Paper process I talked about. Uh, I either stands for identify the pain or implicate the pain, which speaks for itself. And then you've got the champion, which is for me, the most important part of medic. It's uh, the one person who's going to be, you know, your person inside of the customer who's giving you information, helping you to navigate you towards a successful outcome. Uh, and then, as I say, the, the next one after that is the second seat, the competition, which I talked about. Mm, that's great. So one of the key points that stood out to me is you also highlight the importance of discovery, but specifically how it should be thought of as a mindset rather than a stage. So I'd, I'd love if you could explain that a little bit further. Why is that mindset of discovery impactful in enterprise sales? Yeah, great question. I, I might be a bit controversial here, but uh, I'm going to go as far as saying if you're not, if you're a salesperson and you're not doing uh, discovery, then you're not being a salesperson, you're, you're being an order taker, because if you can't learn from the customer and adapt to suits, you know, the, the challenges and goals that they're trying to aspire to or solve, um, then you really are just going to be talking about your own product. And hopefully, you know, if it works out for you, if you've got a good product and it's well suited well, you know, then you'll be taking the order. So that's the first thing I say is proper selling. You cannot be done without discovery. Um, and well, why I say it's a mindset is because it's not, it's not really about um, going in with a bank of questions that you need to try and find the answers to. And quite often when people have that mindset of kind of, I just need to do this stage of discovery, it's not a great experience for the customer on the other end. It feels a bit like an interrogation. So the mindset of discovery is to be genuinely curious because what you want to do is you know in, inside of you, you know that to, to really have the best chance of finding a good um, fit for your solution, you need to really genuinely understand the customer's business. You need to understand their goals. You need to understand their challenges. You need to understand where they want to get to and what could be you know, uh, hurdles in the way for them there. And then see, and this is a really important thing, see whether your solution is a, is a good fit because not always will it be a good fit. It may not be that the customer has enough interest. It may not be that your solution is the right solution for them. And I think that we really, really need to kind of popularize qualifying out 
in sales. And, and so as much as you should be curious to try and find opportunity and strengths for your solution, you should also be thinking, well, you know, if do I really want to have to invest the amount of time and enterprise sales uh, deal needs if it's not going to work out for me, if it's not going to be a right opportunity for me. So having that very open-minded, genuine curiosity is going to lean you into finding real value that you can uncover. And then where Medic comes into that, I always look at it like this. Generally in, in discovery, you're trying to understand a few things. You understand the lay of the land. You're trying to sort of qualify, but really you're trying to find some pain. And I, I quite liken it to a bit like um, mining for gems. And if you, the discovery and finding the pain is kind of finding like a gemstone, maybe they call it a diamond. Where Medic comes in is it's going to help you turn what is, you know, still a valuable gemstone. It's going to help you turn that into a, you know, a diamond ring or something like that by putting sort of metrics against what the value of solving that uh, pain would be. And that's kind of where the pain, and the metrics kind of buddy up together. So, yeah, I think, um, and, and the other point on this actually, which is important is, is, is why discovery is is not a, uh, is, is a process, is something you do throughout the deal, is that in enterprise sales, by nature, they're generally complex, they're generally long, there's generally multiple stakeholders involved. Every single stakeholder, every different part of the deal will have new things to learn and it will adapt and shift. And if you're up against a good competitor, they'll be trying to adapt and shift it towards their strengths and, and towards your weaknesses. And you have to kind of be on your toes to make sure you bring it back towards yourself. So discovery is something you should be doing right up until, you know, that uh, that ink on the signature for the contract is drying, really. That's kind of in my mind how I'd see it. Great. So you touched on some of the skills that make salespeople successful just now, but I want to explore that a little bit more in the context of today. So as the world of work has evolved really rapidly in the past year, the skills that are required to be successful in sales have also now evolved as well. And in the book, you talk about some of the characteristics of great sellers. So I'm curious, from your perspective, what are some of the key attributes of really elite salespeople? in today's environment yeah i have i have one favorite for this um which is and it's not it's, it's definitely not something that i came up with but it's something i heard and it, it's outside of sales and it really resonates with me and this is the idea of taking action over having the intention to take action and actually being able to take action and i think that's something that in sales is 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 critically important that's really the difference for me between the elite salespeople and those that could be elite um, who have all the skills have all the knowledge have all the experience but just never quite make that step up to being what we know as elite and the best example i think that will resonate with the audience on this is We've all been in those team deal reviews where somebody is presenting a deal and as a team, it's a great thing. I love one of the things I love about sales is how we can come together as different professionals of different roles in sales and, and hear someone talk about their deal and, and kind of brainstorm how we can help them to make progress with it. And there's always, wherever I've worked, there's always been a salesperson who is not elite, okay, but they know all the answers. They've got the answer for everybody's problem in their deal. And they, you know, they'll tell you it like as if it's like the most obvious thing in the world. And that is having intention for me. They, they know what the right things to do are. But when it's really, really important, they don't do it. So, you know, in, in a medic sense, they'll know how important it is to access the economic buyer and they'll talk about it to everybody, but they won't do it themselves. They'll kind of say, well, it's hard to get there and all this kind of stuff. So, which it is, of course, but that's kind of the beauty of it. So for me, to answer your question, it's really about taking that kind of next step to taking action. So it's in, 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 in reference to this world we're in right now, where 
most of our meetings are remote, we, we're missing out on that beautiful time that we never really valued before, which is like the time where you'd meet the, you'd meet the customer in their reception area and they would walk you to the office room and then you get you know, you, to the meeting room and then you'd get the walk back. And that might only be 10 minutes, but in that 10 minutes, you would build rapport, you would build relationships, you could ask for debriefs, you could ask for insight ahead of the meeting, all that kind of stuff. We don't get that anymore, but we can, right? And that's the difference between action and intent. You, you can most definitely put some time in with that, that uh, potential champion, let's say, before the meeting. You can put some time in after the meeting. In fact, you could kind of top and tail the, any meeting you have of anyone else by doing that. And that's what the elite sellers will do. Those that are a little bit below elite will know that that's a good thing to do. They know that's within their grasp, but they won't take that step. And that's probably an example of the difference between elite in today's world. Mm, I love that. So another thing that really stood out to me in your book is you write that the most significant factor to the success of your medic implementation lies in your frontline sales manager's hands. And enablement often works very closely with frontline sales managers, but I'm curious if you have any advice for how enablement can help give frontline managers the support they need to properly execute the implementation and really engage them as champions of the process. Yeah, that is a fantastic question. I think being a frontline sales manager is one of the most loneliest jobs in sales because you're kind of you're kind of in this uh, accountability sandwich where, you know, above you, sales leadership are always asking you for numbers, for, for reports, all this kind of stuff. And below you, your sales team is looking to you to kind of protect them from the, the noise above, but also help empower them. And so you, you don't really have, except for your peers themselves, but they're also in a funny kind of way, because it's a competitive industry, isn't it, sales? They're kind of almost your competitors, your other sales managers on the same level as you. You, you don't really have anyone who's your buddy except for sales enablement. Sales enablement are the people, especially in a medic implementation, who are like your secret weapon for success. Because what you need for a successful implementation of medic above anything else is momentum. And you need to have some, some um, forward momentum and wins with it. And what I mean by that is, you'll know this much better than I, and your audience will know this a million times better than I do. But there's this thing that happens in all good sales organizations that are, are trying to evolve and, and, and develop and move themselves forward, where one minute or one month, it'll be a new sales tool that comes in. It's a new analytics tool. It's going to help you, you know, figure out something you didn't know about your deals. The next minute, it's a new sales methodology. And what ha tends to happen is you get this kind of flavor of the month scenario happen. And underneath it, the sales team the individual contributors are like, okay, all right, what's it this month? All right, medic. Okay, well, you know, we'll be hearing about medic for the next month, I guess, and then it'll be something else. And 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 what you need to really kind of turn the, the, the tide with that kind of mentality is you need to be able to show the value to the salespeople. And the, that's the great thing about medic is aside from managers or anything like that, as an individual contributor, it can really help you to figure out what you need to do with your deals, um, regardless of anyone else around you. So but to get the sales people to have that mentality, they need to see some wins. And so sales enablement is like the best friend for sales managers there because they can help keep the managers on their toes, help um, sort of share best practice with them, um, remind them because, it's, you know, there's, sales managers have a lot of things on their mind, remind them of certain elements of medic that could help in certain scenarios, share successes. And, and I think just that as a, 
as a kind of a partnership really, really helps. And then you know, there'll be a lot of a lot of things in the sales enablement locker, a lot of documentation, a lot of collateral that relates very closely to medic. And I think that bringing bringing those in to complement, you know, decision criteria is a great example. Decision criteria is really around, especially technical decision criteria. It'll be around, you know, what is the what are the criteria in which the customers have based their decision upon? Well, most good sales organizations I know have a document that kind of suits that. And so it's about, you know, sales enablement, empowering people to, to give that document across. And then the last thing I'll say on this point is that where Medic really comes into its own is, is as like a common language for the revenue teams to use. And so it means that everyone is talking about the same thing the same way. An example of this is champion is probably the most used phrase in sales, but um, outside of medic, if you meet two different salespeople, they'll have completely definition, different definitions of what a champion is. What medic does is it helps you define what is a champion, what is this part of it, what is the metrics, and all those kinds of things. So it, it's really going to help sales enablement and sales managers to kind of sort of increase the efficiency of their conversations and really make sure they're talking about the right things. And when they are talking about the same thing, they're defining it the same way as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I just have one final question for you. We've talked a little bit about the complexity of sales today, and I'm curious to learn how can Medic really help foster deep engagement with customers given this increasing complexity? Yeah, that is a good question. I think, I think one of the things that's adding complexity to sales today is, is kind of the, the, the massive choice that customers have. As I mentioned earlier, you know, when we think about competition, it's not just solutions that are rivals of yours. You've got other initiatives and you know, things that the customer could be looking to do. They could be looking to just to stay the same because risk is, is dangerous, uh, change is risky. Um, build it themselves is another thing. But then there's this whole other uh, scenario, which is that whilst there are, of course, the people listening to this will have, you know, be generally working for an organization that has a solution and you may have two, three, maybe five other vendors that do a similar solution. There's this whole Venn diagram now of uh, solution providers that do the same thing and then something else and then something else. And you end up with, you know, you could be in a mix of maybe 10 other, as a customer, you can have 10 options to solve that one thing you want to do. And some will do it very well, and some will do it not quite as well, but they'll do all these other things as well. And so that, as you say, that creates a lot of complexity for customers. And the thing I think salespeople always forget is that our customers are not professional buyers. They are, you know, 99% of their day job is spent doing their job. They only spend 1% thinking about buying that bit of software to help them do their job. They're not, you know, they're not out there sort of spending all day reading G2 crowd and all this kind of stuff, right? So they're not necessarily experts in, in, in buying. So what you really need to be able to do is to approach the customer with, again, that curious mindset to really understand what is it they're trying to solve and genuinely talking about how your solution can help solve um, their, their problems, if it can. And sometimes, like I said earlier, sometimes it, you may not be the best, the best person to help them. But one thing is for sure, if you went into a, a, an engagement with a customer um, and you were to genuinely take an interest in what they were, um, what they were trying to solve, what their problems were, and you, you turn around and say, hey, look, you know, Olivia, I, I really thank you for your time today, but actually I don't think we're the right fit for you. Um, but let me help you 
point you in the right direction of who is, I guarantee you a year, two years, five years down the line, when that person is an ideal prospect for you, that person will take your call and meet you 100% because you would have bought so much credibility. And that person is probably likely to introduce you to other people that you can help. So I, I think this is a long a long game. I think if you have a long mind, a long game mindset in sales, it will, it will help you out a lot. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it, I, I, in the short answer to that question, other than that long version, would be just be that kind of trusted advisor um, to your customers and, and have that genuine curiosity to help them solve their problems. And you'll be surprised at just how much more information you, the, the customer provides you if it helps you do your job better. That's great. Well, Andy, thank you so much again for making the time to join our podcast today. I certainly learned so much from you and I know our audience did too. Thanks again. Well, thank you for having me on and, and thanks everyone for listening. And to our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. And if there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.